back here on the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast. Chad Schecksnyder um, alongside Shappa the Kappa. Scott Shapiro is going to join me as we break down the All-Stakes Late Pick 5, 15% takeout, which is a wonderful thing. $500,000 guaranteed pool. I believe this pool is probably going to be closer to the million than what it's going to be to 500000 Mr. Shapiro, welcome to the 504 once again. Thank you, sir. Great to be back in New Orleans and great for the uh, maiden voyage on your podcast. Uh, you know, I've been waiting, eagerly anticipating that invite <laughs> mail. And when I got it, man, I was beaming. <laughs> well, man, I tell you what, you got big shoes to fill. We had Michael Baychock on for the LeCompte. Um, he got a little hurt by some scratches and the weather and this and that. Some of his picks scratched. So um, he, he might be wanting a do-over when it comes in. But I've been trying to uh, get some different handicappers on here and, and help the help the fans out there with uh, with ticket construction as far as these big days go. And, um, you know, that's what we're going to try to do here. We're going to try to put them, on, put them on a few winners here in the late pick five, and we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. But how, how has your meet been here? What have you got? Have you been following the fairgrounds closely or just on the weekends, or how's that going? Yeah, I would say I follow it here and there more than regularly because of my duties um, with uh, Twin Spires and Trails Around Inc. at both Oakland and Turfway. It's hard to follow it every day. Definitely keep up to it thanks to uh, you, of course, Joe, Chris Effect, and Kevin Kilroy, amongst others. But uh wouldn't say I know it quite as much as you at this point, but uh, I've had a little bit of success because most of my budget has gone into these uh, bigger days. Of course, you know, the 26th day after Christmas was a, a lot of fun and then had a couple of good connects uh, on the LeCompte card. Didn't close out with the late pick five like we hope to do uh, this Saturday. But, yeah, big shoes to fill. I mean, one of the one of the all-time Cajun cappers. I don't know if he's a true Cajun, but I know he's from here, that Michael Baycock. <laughs> Yep. Well, let's get started. Ninth race on the card is the Colonel Potter. This is the sprint race. This is five and a half furlongs on the turf. Now, we do have a confirmed scratch in here of Twirling Roses. So you can take Twirling Roses out, who's the two. And that's going to that's gonna bring in a very a very pliable contender in Evan Singh, who's coming uh, off a layoff, going to make his four-year-old debut for Al Stahl in this race, going to be outside draw. And it's going to get Flaviat Pratt in the saddle, which is a good thing, especially um, – a talent like Pratt coming out here to ride and picks up a mount here for Al Saul Jr. But there's other places to go. There's a ship-in with Mark Cassie um, on the rail. There's all in sync for Asmussen. Uh, you know, to get this pick five started, Scott, how deep do you have to go? Well, I think first and foremost, this is going to be a leg where I, I do take a chance against the Morning Lion favorite in surveillance. A lot of respect for this horse. I know he loves it down here in New Orleans, but he is just been a, it's just a much better horse in my opinion, on dirt, unless he's just that much better at the moment. But, you know, he's got the one win on turf, but all of his fastest races have come over the main track. So I'm going to try to beat surveillance. I don't know about you, Chad, but I don't I don't see a ton of early speed signed on. Now, you've been following the turf course, obviously not as many races as we would like to have been on there. And I know when I was here last at the LeCompte, speed really hadn't been playing all that well, but it's hard for me to see this race being run at any sort of contentious early pace, which I think makes Anguston a very interesting uh, option in here at 9-2, to two, obviously off a long layoff, but last time we saw this 8-year-old gunning off a long layoff, it was a dominant front-running effort, so I think Anguston uh, is certainly a horse I'd want to use. I'm curious, though, to your take on how you think that the course will play in these sprint races, or in this one particularly. Scott, I think the turf course is playing more fair now um, than it did on Lecomte Day because 
the Lecompte was just a very weird race. The Marie Krantz was one very strange, and the jockeys all trying to get to the outside. Um, the inside horses have done better on the turf course the last couple of weeks. So I think you're going to see some of these horses that didn't really perform up to their abilities a month ago or in December really could turn the tables coming uh, coming up here in this race. And, you know, I think more so later on in the card. But I, I definitely give a look to Anguston. I think you write on the speed of the speed in this race. Um, Long Wiggins has kept this horse here, and they're going to get a, a race into it this time on the turf. I'm really intrigued by Evan Singh. Um, if there's any kind of setup, I think this is the horse that you want to come running with Flavian Pratt. Um, but, yeah, the pace of this race does concern me a little bit. Um, surveillance, Keith DeSormo has been pretty adamant about running this horse in the turf. And for his sake, it didn't come up that tough, to be honest with you. So, you know, maybe you got to give him a shot. The new the new shooter in there is Ice Chocolate, the one for Mark Cassie. And you just don't know what you're going to get out of that horse. But certainly on speed figures, he fits. So, I think you got to go maybe three or four deep here to get started. I'd be I'd be a little hard pressed to single just one horse in this race. I'm with you. I think I'm going to go three, four deep at the moment. I think three deep. One horse that I am going to include at a price. I know the, it's a, uh, he's a Louisiana bred, but up against it. But with the lack of speed and some success locally, I do think Yankee Seven could outrun his odds at ten to one. Ice Chocolate's a little interesting, worth including if you're trying to beat the favorite. Maybe the uh, the horse uh, this one lost to last time out at Woodbine in a grade two there. Candy Overload came back to win a stakes race before go at Turfway Park. That flattered this one. I thought he ran well at 19 to 1. And then I am also going to include Evan Singh. Uh, Evan, I definitely like the presence of Flavian Pratt. I think this horse has had talent, has had some excuses, and uh, we'll need a setup, but, but hopefully we get a little bit of one. We'll include him as well. Yeah, I mean, would you include Pyron if Flavian Pat Pratt was on Pyron and Declan Carroll was on Evan Singh? Wouldn't you feel comfortable putting Pyron in there? Yeah, that's an interesting I mean, he question. This, he, he won the race last he year, won, right? He won this race last year, yeah. He won this race last year at, at, at Balloons. You know, it was only a seven-horse field, but, you know, they let him go off at 20-1, to one, and he, he beat a nice horse in Just Might, who was on a roll at that time. Um, but that race did fall apart right into his favor, and he hasn't been able to duplicate that effort coming back um, for Al Stahl. It's kind of weird. You know, Al's got two really <laughs> definite closers in this race. It's not like one of them's going to be anywhere close to the front. So it's just interesting that, um, you know, Pyron's going to get overlooked once again this year. No, no doubt about it. And I know you've uh, professed to me since we've, uh, you know, kind of built a friendship here that uh, prices – have had a lot of success uh, in turf races at fairgrounds. I didn't kind of buy into your theory at first, but I, I definitely <laughs> have bought in at this point. Yeah, the turf races here, man, if you can afford the all and, and get narrow somewhere else, it, 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 it'll pay. I mean, you can get lucky here and there, but we'll see about it. I mean, ninth race, uh, certainly a, a competitive feature uh, between those horses on the turf. The tenth race on the card is the mine shaft, Scott. And um, this race uh, won by Olympiad last year who just freaked and almost had a uh, – set a track record um i don't think there's any olympiads in here but it's a good group it is a good group and i think you, you got to first you know talk about the the two horses that have, that have run first and second in the tenacious and then followed it up in the louisiana with kind of somewhat different race dynamics and running both well in both of them and you just have to wonder if happy american goes i spoke with neil pesson uh, earlier on this morning uh, at the time of recording, and it, it is up in the air if he's going to go or not. But but these two horses uh, are, are in tremendous form, have shown an affinity for the course. Of course, this race, again, at a mile and a 16th distance, Mr. Wireless and Deshaun Parker, Brett Calhoun, probably wondering what they've got to do 
to hold off Happy American this time around. But these two seem to be in the best form. Hard to leave either of them off in the best form of their careers, I should say. I'm going to use two other horses in here, though. I'm going to use number five, Big Blue Line. Um, second start of the form cycle, second start of a four-year-old campaign. Definitely a class test here. But I think he uh, showed a little bit of a new dimension on January 14th over the surface, of course, against lesser competition. His prior two wins were both in Louisville at Churchill when he was kind of loose on the front end, not to take anything away from those efforts. But he relaxed nicely under Corey Lannery last time out. And I think he's going to probably end up doing that again in here with Run Classic, who's opted not to be on the lead in each of his last two starts. And it hasn't worked well. I know Brett Calhoun uh, spoke about how he thought he didn't take to the Oaklawn Park main track in the Tinsel. And that was why that effort was disappointing at 6-5. to five. Again, sitting off the pace in Louisiana and kind of a pocket trip. Really no excuses. Just didn't really have much run. I think Big Blue Line gets the perfect spot off run classic. And then I think Pioneer Medina slightly interesting here because he's run well over this course, ships in for Todd Pletcher. And I don't know what kind of price we're going to end up getting with kind of the bigger name connections and the big race, uh, you know, the, the, the Derby and the Louisiana Derby running lines. But it should be decent enough, and I just think he's another horse that's going to get a jump, get the jump, pardon me, on those two, Happy American and Mr. Wireless. So I am going to spread four deep in here. I have no idea what to do with Pioneer Medina. All I know is Todd Pletcher knows which horses to send here at the fairgrounds to be successful. So, um, you know, I didn't trust in that last year. Um, beat me in the optional claiming race that he won at 7-1 to one here. Um, then he came back for the Risen Star and was just kind of outclassed in those two races by upper center. But he has run well here. Um, I've never made money on Pioneer Medina. I doubt Saturday will be the day that I do make money on him. <laughs> I think that buyer, that could be inflated a little bit. Um, you know, the three horses that out of that race that uh, chose to go run into Pegasus all finished really bad. I mean, Simplification didn't run. Um, all of them were off the board and, and beat pretty good. And this one looks yep. like could be a genius could be a genius move going here and not going into the into the um, Pegasus. But yeah, Pletcher, Pioneer, Medina. I mean, that's gonna have to be a decision where you know you got to break eggs sometimes, and he might be an egg that I break that I leave off a ticket, and, and, and I'm talking to myself about it later later on Saturday. But Big Blue Line is interesting. You know, a year ago at this time, this horse was getting drilled in a maiden special weight race here on this same card, and amazing what a year can do. Now he's looking for his first stakes win in great form. You know, big big buyer number last time out. Speed figures love him. And he comes back, and, and Mike Delberto says he, he just had a wow work on February 11th. That kind of scares me. As a handicapper, um, I believe in the bounce theory. Now, I, I've been told by other handicappers I respect that that's foolishness. Um, I respect your opinion. I respect you as a handicapper. Are you a bounce guy or are you not a bounce guy? Oh, I definitely believe the, that a bounce is there now. I believe in the theory that a superb racehorse may be able to avoid a bounce. But when I look at Big Blue Line, I don't have the buyer in front of me. And I know in terms of Brisnet speed figures, he went up quite significantly, but not overly concerning. But I'm a thoroughgraph guy first and foremost, and he paired his last number, both with four okay. in the Churchill Slop race. So, you know, I mean, I, yeah. I respect the buyers. I respect the Brisnet numbers. I just don't know if it's a true bounce spot, but it is interesting to think about because he fires the big work after it. If you think he's going to regress, yep. I mean, that work probably is not beneficial. It probably gives him a, a more likely chance to, no? Yep, I think so. And, and look at the running line, too. I mean, Treasury, who he beat, has come back, and he ran an 89 buyer. 
Um, just to get you up to speed on that, Big Blue Line got a 97 last time out, and that was 10 okay. points higher than anything he's ever run. Um, so th- that's kind of where I was going with that. Um, but Treasury ran third in that race. He's come back. He ran an 89 the other day and won. So, you know, it's holding up. His form's holding up. Um, I know Mikey D's high on him. That's going to be his key in that race. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you got a couple people that really like that horse. I mean, Run Classic, going back to him, I've been against him since he's been trying this mile in the 16th distance. I think he's a miler. I read Calhoun this morning. Brett is adamant. And when I say adamant, I mean he won't <laughs> talk to Ray Lou for a month. He won't talk to Ray Lou for a month if this horse isn't on the lead Saturday. Um, I figured. You know, he's yeah. making the switch. He's making the switch from Brian, and he loves Brian. He uses Brian, no doubt. But Brian had him covered up. They went 25 and changed. There's no excuse for Run Classic not to be on the lead um, last time out in Louisiana. So he's going to try Ray Lou. That's his man. He's going to go to the front. I don't know who's going to go with him, but he's going to go to the front. And I really think in the right scenario, maybe he gets a mile on the 16th and can win. I, I've just been betting against it. Um I probably shouldn't have talked to Brent this morning because now he's got me wondering. <laughs> but <laughs> you know that, that's the way it goes. Um, what do you what are you doing with Tawny Porton here? Because Tawny Port is one that you know Brad Cox is going to bring back here for his four-year-old debut. Been training okay. Uh, been training with Wes Willpower, who's going to run at Oakland this weekend. What, what do you do with Tawny Port? I'm going to let Tawny Port beat me. He's run some big races, but I think. There, A, I think he probably will need, you know, might benefit from the race. I think he might want a little more than a mile and a 16th in the end. And he was good last year. In fact, he was very good in the Ohio Derby, but that field has not come back to be overly impressive. I mean, White Barrio has been very disappointed. And of course, Classic Causeway moved to the side, I believe, right immediately after that race. So I'm going to let him right. beat me what I, at anything near the four to one price. And just back to your run classic point. It's interesting. I mean, I'm with you. I, I, I thought for a while this might just be a really special horse. Now that I look at it, he might have run too big in that in those two races. It seems like he hasn't been the same horse since, right? regardless oh. of, of distance and trip. And, and you see that happen to horses where they just run so big. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to let him beat me as well. And, and Brian Hernandez is a great jockey. Um, he hasn't been at his best on run classic between that last race and on November 13th, when he when he couldn't, when he refused to not be involved early, and Farmington Road came at a big price to beat him. So, um, yeah, it was a fun race, though, no? Yeah, it is. Um, I, and and I, I'm against Happy American, and I'm a big Happy American guy. I mean, he's done me no wrong the last two times. He's probably the only reason I'm even ahead for the meet right now is because of him and Mr. Wireless. But, um, you know, him picking up six pounds off of, the race he's given six pounds now to mr wireless um and these horses have been within neck and length of each other i just think that's a reason you know i, I don't I, I don't think we're going to see happy american on saturday i like mr wireless i want no part i guess now of, of pioneer medina i'm not gonna do anything with king's fury i know at the bottom he's got the blinkers coming off um i've just never had any luck with this horse either and kenny mcpeak uh has this horse he's another one with a little bit of late kick but uh you want any piece of king fury Nah, he's a horse that, and you see this a lot, that I think, you know, was kind of on the derby trail and whatnot. He ran him at Travers, a horse that just got pushed and really kind of responded well as a three-year-old. He was a couple of the top ones, but just seems to be a horse that uh, really has never gotten moved forward off of that, uh, you know, arduous three-year-old campaign for McPeak. 
Yeah, Dallas Stewart's had a tough meet. He, they throw hoist the gold in, um, you know, off that Malibu win. 16 starts. This is the first time this horse is going two turns. Is this a little bit of throwing darts, or is there something to this horse going two turns now? I love Dallas. Always respect the fact that he's not afraid to take chances. It seems like a bit of a reach. I mean, the pedigree has always said two turns. The fact it's taken 17 starts to try it feels like they're kind of searching for something. And it's weird. You, you put Brian on him, and you would think that, you know, stretching out, being on the inside, his best chance would be to go. But I don't know if that's right. going to happen. I, mean, I don't think he would have legged up Brian in that spot, but if he's going to do that. Okay, well, for me in this race, the 10th race, you, you, you talked me into Big Blue Line. You, you and other guys I know, you, you're going to get me on Big Blue Line. But I, I'm going to – the day horse for me in here is Mr. Wireless. I think it's his turn to win. Um, so I'm definitely prominently going to use the eight horse in here, Mr. Wireless. And then I'll sprinkle in um, – I might sprinkle in a little a little run classic just so I'm not cursing myself and a little Big Blue Line. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens after that. But uh, those, that's the two I'm really interested in. Yeah, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to use your two, your, well, your main one and Mr. Wireless, your lone A, if you will, big blue line as well. I'm going to use Happy American, although you do make a great point, and I will consider it as we have a little bit more time before we have to fire those tickets in um, with the added weight and just two huge races in a row. And I am going to throw Pioneer and Medina in. I just, you know, respect Todd, first start as a four-year-old, and I think he's going to get the right trip on one of the best jocks around. Okay, let's go to the 11th race on the card, the grade three fairgrounds. Handicap, well, it used to be a handicap. I guess it's not now. Um, it's a mile and eighth on a turf race. So these five races, you got two turf races and three dirt races. Um, man, two Emmy ran too good to lose last time out. Um, this horse is a fairgrounds favorite. The fans love this horse. This old seven-year-old gelding for Hugh Robertson always seems to fire here at the fairgrounds. Just got beat by General Soul last month in the Colonel E.R. Bradley, but ran really too good to lose. Scott, I'm only interested in two horses in here that I'm using. One of them's going to be two Emmys. Um, I'm going to let Cavalry Charge beat me again in this race like I let him beat me last year. And the other horse I'm using is Mike Baker on the outside. Um, we'll get more into him. But those are the two I'm going to kind of key around. Um, Gentle Soul, to me, the last time was the time for Gentle Soul. I know Brett loves this horse on the turf. He ran a, a huge number last time. He loves the turf here. But he picks up four pounds. He's going to carry 122 in spot spot weight to everybody in here, which I think is a little over the top, but he could get it done. Two Emmys for me, and I like the bottom horse in here as well, the Bay uh, Bay, Bay Street Money Horse for Maker. What say you in this race? Well, I am on the same exact page with you in this one. In fact, I am too deep with two Emmys and Bay Street Money, and I agree. I mean, two Emmys ran so big last time out off the bench into Colonel Bradley missing by a head, uh, and that was off a significant layoff. Now you get the added ground. You mentioned the fact that this Son of English Channel absolutely loves it and thrives over this fairgrounds turf. Should get a really good trip under James Graham. Gentle Soul, I agree with you. I thought the last time was the time. I had Cavalry Charge as one of my better picks of the year last year uh, at, in, in this race, winning at 35-1. to 1. I'm with you. I'm going to let him beat me. I think that was the time to have him. Tis the bomb to me. Long series of drills coming in, but he ended his three-year-old campaign on kind of a the wrong note. I think he's more of an all-weather horse, although he does have some good turf races. And you brought up Bay Street Money, a good, you know, a good alternative here if you're not someone that wants to go all in on the favorite. Six to one on the line, uh, comes in off a, a good race at Gulfstream where he galloped out best that day. I thought that effort was even better than the running line suggests in that 
allowance event. I don't think it's that much of a class height coming in here into a grade three event. Mike Maker, obviously, very capable. You got to start off the uh, short freshening, so you're second off the bench. And I think Tyler Gaffleone should uh, be able to work out a pretty good trip from the outside in the Tadors field. Yeah, there's a lot to like with Bay Street Money to me. I know this is a stakes debut and he's a six-year-old, but this is what Maker does, right? I mean, this is his, yep. this is his M.O., is taking these horses, putting them on a turf, getting them to go long and firing. And I think you can remember, um, you know, I think you, you you definitely remember in this scenario, Joel Rosario last time, he was cold as ice at Gulfstream Park when this horse ran third, and he had a huge gallop out, like you said. Um, Maker was going to run into Connolly. He wanted to put this horse into Connolly at Sam Houston, but Sam Houston wasn't taking Gulfstream Park horses because of the herpes outbreak. So he didn't get to run him into Connolly. So he sends him over here. Um, and I think that could prove to be a good decision. I think we know who Pixelate is. I'm not really high on Pixelate anymore. I did like this horse at one point. Corelli is actually cutting back to a mile and a 16th um, off a mile and three eighths race. He doesn't do much for me um, going three turns last time. He was favored in that race at Gulfstream. Um, but he's an eight-year-old now. He's never been to the fairgrounds. He gets Florent Giroux. They, you know, it's Jonathan Thomas, second off um, 180-day layoff is 27%, very gaudy, second off um, 180-day layoff. So that caught my eye. Corelli's probably who I'll use underneath if I bet the race straight. I don't know if I'll have enough uh, juice in the bankroll to, to throw Corelli into the pick five, though. He's an interesting horse. I think I only found one starter ever at Fairgrounds from Jonathan Thomas. Uh, if that, I think that would make some sense as well. And that was a underwhelming performance off the bench, albeit, but he was the favorite. It wasn't a great field. And it's interesting, like you said, the cutback out of the mile and three-eighths race. And I have a lot of respect for Thomas, but I'm not in love with the rider change from Frankie DeTore to Florence Rue on a turf horse that likes to come from off the pace. And he was kind of on a tight hold under DeTore. Understandable, probably pretty keen off the, the long layoff there. He'll probably relax a little more in this spot. But, uh, you know, if he's going to be 8-1, to one, I'm going to give him a little bit of consideration, maybe as a B-type horse because of the price and just not a lot of love for the other horses and maybe a little bit of bankroll to be able to sprinkle him in there. But I'm not in super love with his chances. So that's the 11th race. We'll get to the tickets and see what we include in there. But um, the 12th race on the card is the Rachel, and I think a lot of pick five tickets are going to have Hoosier Philly singled. Will you have a ticket with Hoosier Philly singled? And if not, who can get the job done and maybe upset the apple cart here? Well, I'm a big believer when, you, when you're when you on a horse that, that's going to be the likely price of Hoosier Philly, who is six to five on the line. I think we we'll believe, we can agree whether it'll be – what price it'll be, but odds on is it is extremely likely in this spot with all the buzz that you don't really want to, you know, spread it too much out, even on backup tickets. If you have an opinion that you think this horse is going to win, you either take her on or you live and die with her. And I'm, I'm basically going to live and die with her in the sequence. What I saw from her, you know, I, I've heard some kind of chatter from some somewhat sharp people that if you look at numbers, she's really not an overly, you know, a standout type horse for the buzz she's getting and the price she's going to be. But in, And oftentimes I'm, I care more about the number than what I see visually, but this horse just never remotely got set down in those two two-turn stakes races and, and honestly got lost out there, you know, like just no competition. And just the way Tom talks about her, she, she's been working tremendously from everything I can tell. I just think she's special, and I'm going to live and die with her in this race. If I was to get some additional coverage, it would probably be with one of the – 
maybe the second biggest price in the end. I know Miracle and Knock Your Socks Off are both 12 to 1 and Bob is 8 to 1. But I'm hearing some kind of miracle buzz on her being loose in the lead and whatnot. And maybe Vava flies a little bit under the radar after not flying under the radar in the untappable and, and really having a poor voyage that day, breaking poorly for kind of the second straight time, which is a concern. But I think this horse has some talent. It's a tough spot to come back in, but I think she can outrun her odds. And, I mean, I think Chop Chop's a really good horse, Chad. But I just don't believe in including the second choice unless I really have prices elsewhere when putting tickets together. And I know you mentioned, you know, talking ticket construction as well as handicapping. And I just think that's important to not, you know, overspread on big days, particularly when there's big favorites in certain races. You kind of want to live and die with horses, particularly when there's another favorite that's going to be on a lot of tickets as well. I just don't think it's ideal gambling. Maybe it could help you in the short term to use them both in a spot like this. But in the long run, I think it's a losing play. So long story long, I'm going to roll with Hoosier Philly. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think most both budgets are going to have Hoosier Philly singled. Um, but in a pick five sequence, if Hoosier Philly wins, it's the difference between a $1,000 pick five and a $10,000 pick five if she gets upset, right? Oh, without question. I mean, I guess I would argue that if, if it – kind of logical otherwise that the difference between her and chop chop might not be 10 times or close to that now if you start to get prices in there i think it'll get harder to get to those prices without having hoosier philly singled so again that comes down to like structure and maybe structuring tickets where you have some long shots in different spots maybe getting that additional coverage if you think chop chop has a decent chance to win but you do make a good point particularly if long shots come in you're going to get a infinitely higher payout, um, even with Chop Chop over Hoosier Philly winning this race. Yeah, and Hoosier Philly, like you said, six to five. Chop Chop's eight to five. That's going to be a bigger a gap. I mean, there's, I think Hoosier Philly probably three to five. Chop Chop will probably be five to two ish. Um, I think Pletcher probably takes a little more money than than than, than twelve to one. Um, pretty mischievous. Hasn't done anything wrong. I mean, a horse ran a pretty good race, and this is the ultimate what's on paper and what you see kind of race. I mean, like, like you said, yep. here's your Philly. I mean, on paper, on paper, she's beatable. I mean, she looks completely beatable. The numbers say it. I don't know what Thurgraf says, but I got a few different speed figures and they say she's pretty beatable in this race. Now, visually, she, she doesn't look like she's beatable in this race. So <laughs> right. I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe, but um, she looks good. I trust Tom Amos. He's been around a lot of good horses in, in his career. And if he says, you know, she's the real deal, I'm not going to argue with that. I, I think uh, most everything I have will be going through Hoosier Philly as well. Yeah, just in terms of the third but, graph, Chop Chop's last race, sorry, the Chop Chop's last race was the fastest number of any horse in here. But keep in mind, that was a three-year-old number where um, Hoosier Philly hasn't had a three-year-old number yet. Right. So let's go to the 13th race in the card. The the big one, Instant Coffee is going to skip this race and look for the Louisiana Derby. The Instant Coffee is in the clubhouse with 32 points, which probably gets that horse into the Derby, to be honest with you. Um, 50 points up for grabs, 50, 20, 15, 10, and 5, just like the Oaks race. The, the grade 2 Risen Star, interesting feel. I mean, you're two horses away from this thing being split for the second time in three years. Um, they're going to run just all of them in one gate. It's 14 horses, and I think the first three horses in the in the lineup are, are kind of tosses. I mean, we could talk about single ruler maybe. Um, I know you like that horse. I think you, you had a bet on single ruler, if I'm not mistaken, right, in that last race with 20-1? to 1? 
I had baseline beater keyed up and down with four horses and single ruler was one of them. So it was fortunate that uh, it worked yep. out the way it did. But yeah, yeah, you you remembered. So, yep. um, so Keith the Sormo, Keith the Sormo, he, he struck in this race at 135 to one back in 2013. I don't think single ruler is going to be 135 to one, but uh, th- this horse is, is going to be a big number. I don't know if you can use this horse again. I- I'm against a couple of horses in here I don't like. I'm going to get your opinion first, though. Who who are your A's? Who are your B's? How do you see the Risen Star shaping up? Man, this race came up fun. I mean, there's some of these derby prep races that I have to talk about day in and day out for a number of days can get a little monotonous. But this is one of those races that you could just really enjoy handicapping and talking about it with people like you. Um, I think that there's going to be an honest pace, which I think with Harlow Cap, in addition to victory formation, maybe determinedly. And I think I most want horses in the second tier. Uh, that's why my top two are, uh, my A's are Tappet's Conquest, who I think is going to run huge, second off the bench, and uh, two Phils, who I saw ran huge, uh, losing in the LeCompte to uh, the aforementioned Instant Coffee. They're my two A's in this spot. Um, and then from there, I have Angel of Empire as a B. I have victory formation as a B and I think I'm getting talked into croupy as a B um, from there. I think there's some C's. I think single ruler spoke of him fan of what he did for me last time. He's coming into his own. I, I could see him grinding away third or fourth maybe, but in terms of a horizontal wager, he's not going to make my tickets. Who, who do you have as A's? So for me, I, I can, I can tell you who I'm against first. I, I think determinedly has no shot. Um, I'm not using determinately anywhere, and I'm not going to use victory formation anywhere. He won't be in any of my tickets either. Um, he's a three-to-one morning line favorite. I think he's had everything his way. I, I, I like what he's done so far. He's undefeated. He's not supposed to throw out undefeated horses. But from the 13 hole, I know it's a mile and an eighth, but he's going to have to be used a little bit to get the position he wants. And he was used at Oakland a little bit in that Smarty Jones race, but the horse chasing him was his stable mate, Angel of Empire. I like Angel of Empire the best out of the Cox Trio. He galloped out extremely well in that race. I don't know if he was instructed to do so by Brad, but I think, you know, that race at Oaklawn, they finished at the 16th pole. There's a long stretch here at the fairgrounds, and that horse, he, he's going to get to running. I think he's going to relish the mile and the eighth. I like Angel of Empire as an A. I like Luis Saez going aboard. Third start here. Um, I think he's the one that can turn the tables on his stable mates. And he's probably going to be the bigger of the three Brad, Brad Price runners. Um, so, so give me Angel of Empire on on top as far as an A horse goes. I do like Tappet's Conquest. I'm going to I'm going to include that horse. I was on two fills until this morning. So Larry Ravelli's plan was to skip the Risen Star at first and then go into the Louisiana Derby. Now you see the 59 and four work there, and Mike Diliberto says that 59 and four was a bullet, but it wasn't done the right way if you get what I'm saying. It, it was it was fast, yeah. early, slow, late kind of thing. And um, I was on two fills until I heard that. I might still use them, but I'm not going to use them as prominently now that I know that. Um, Silver Heist, saw, we saw Silver Heist schooling in the paddock. Tall, big, good-looking tappet. Kind of narrow, you know, in, in, in shape. Um, Corey Lannery gets aboard Silver Heist. If you didn't like Krupe, I, I'm using Krupe as an A for all my tickets. I just went back and watched those races. I mean, the horse has run against the best of, you know, Instant Coffee, Signator, Disarm, who I'm kind of high on from the Asmussen barn. 
this horse is going to make a big run, I believe. Um, it's the only horse to run a mile and eight so far. Didn't just didn't you know discourage himself in that race whatsoever. Krupe very very interesting to me. You know, Ty Pletcher's in the Hall of Fame, and one reason why he's in the Hall of Fame is he wins Derby preps. Um, yep. He knows which horses to send here. For me, I'm not going to let a Pletcher horse beat me. I don't care if it's a maiden or not. This horse has the numbers to fit right in with this group, um, and 15 to one, you, I, I got to take a shot on. So for me. The top three, Angel of Empire, Tappet's Conquest, and Krupe. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on your Angel of Empire. got to talk to Brad Cox, and, uh, you know, speaking to your point, I think it was amongst kind of the instructions for Talamo to, to encourage him because they knew he wanted more ground out of the Smarty Jones. So you saw that very well visually, uh, Chad. And this is a horse that just is big. He clearly wants more ground. He's going to love it here at Fairgrounds and having Louie aboard. I totally get where you're coming from with Angel of Empire. May end up bumping him up as an A before we get to post here, before we get to post for the start of this. And, and Krupe's interesting. I mean, you, you, you said it. I mean, he's taken on some good fields, particularly the two Saratoga races. I mean, he's running the good horses. You know, I'm someone that always questions horses' wills to win and losing the last race. Slip Mahoney's a nice horse. I know the Brad Cox Barn likes him. I would have liked to have seen him finish the deal. But he definitely fits in here, and I'm with you. He is very likely to make a big run. Todd Pletcher, of course, not having won this race recently, but he won it three times between 2010 and 2014. Yep. Okay. Well, let's get to the ticket construction. What you uh, you said you said you could keep it kind of cheap. So, what, what what does a cheap ticket look like for Scott Shapiro? Yeah, we're gonna go we're gonna go three deep in the Colonel Power to kick it off. We're gonna go with uh, the five. Uh, Yankee seven at a price. Angus in my top pick, the seven and number nine, Evan Singh. So we're going to go three deep there. I'm going to go four deep in the mine shaft. Assuming happy American runs, I'm going to go five, six, seven, and eight. We'll obviously be able to uh, take him out and take out a favorite if he does come out. I would consider potentially another horse, but probably would stick with three if he comes out. The 11th is the fairgrounds where I agree with you. I'm going to roll with just two horses in there, the two and the eight. Then a single Hoosier filly and a Rachel Alexandra. And I'm going to go four deep in the in the Risen Star. I'm going to use um, Angel of Empire, Tappet's Conquest. I am going to go with two fills despite that uh, report that I will keep in mind. I'm going to listen to, to your your podcast with Mike when we get done here. And then Kruppi as well. So that's four. That, that's a $48 ticket. It gives me some options if I want to maybe, you know, press up a little bit, uh, considering I have a Hoosier Philly single, and I don't think it's going to pay monster stacks here. But uh, that's a good foundation kind of A-type ticket, I think. I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's get lucky. Um, I appreciate you taking the time, my man. Thank you for your time. And um, let's get lucky on Saturday and hope we helped everybody out. Look forward to uh, spending more time with you while you're down here, bud. Yeah, definitely. Love love coming on here, man. Love what you guys do. Always the uh, best place to keep up with racing down here in New Orleans and, of course, at Fairgrounds. And uh, looking forward to hanging with you in the next couple of days. Appreciate it, Scott. We'll take you out here. And, uh, hey, Mardi Gras time, man. You going to make a parade or what? I think I'm too old and going to be too tired, but maybe. <laughs> we'll see. I probably have yeah, to do I it at some point, right? You've seen one, you've seen them all, man. You've seen one, you've seen them all. Trust me. I'd rather be at I'd rather be at the racetrack than than on the street watching a float go by. Me and you both. Me and you both. Yep, yep. All right, Scott. Appreciate it, man. Best of luck to everybody out there on Saturday, and uh, we'll see you at the track. Yeah.